What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host for the show. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. Headlander is the game for this week's episode, Headlander. This is a 2.5D Metroidvania platformer. It was released in July of 2016 on PC and PS4 and November of that same year on Xbox One. This game is not on Switch, unfortunately. The developer is Double Fine Productions, and if you don't know, Double Fine was founded by Tim Schafer. And we will definitely get into more on Tim Schafer and his place in the industry. But he has helmed such games as Psychonauts, Rad, um, and I believe Psychonauts 2 actually just came out, uh, Grim Fandango, Day of the Tentacle, things like that. But Double Fine is actually now owned by Microsoft, which is interesting. And the game was published by Adult Swim Games. And Adult Swim Games has published a bunch of the Rick and Morty games and also a really good game called Death's Gambit, which we may talk about at some point on this show. The game had a limited run physical copy in December of 2018. Uh, now, there was no collector's edition. It was just the game in a box, but I did purchase that. MSRP originally was $19.99, and runtime somewhere between 6 and 8 hours. 6 probably if you're just doing the main story and running through 8-ish, and even more if you are... Uh, trying to get all of the things here in this game. This game does have a platinum trophy, and obviously if you're going for that platinum trophy, uh, it's going to take you probably longer than eight hours, but still certainly manageable. Me, I got this game on sale for $11.99, and I have put in somewhere between eight and ten hours on this because I did get the platinum trophy on PS4, and I just recently played a, uh, an hour or two uh, from the beginning just to refresh and in terms of recommendation, once again, uh, this game was recommended by Colin Moriarty from Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. I believe he was with Kind of Funny when he recommended this. Uh, again, he was just mentioning that he played it, uh, and I'm a big uh, listener of his, so um, I typically follow what he is doing, so I did with this game. All 
right, let's talk gameplay. So this is a Metroidvania platformer. But what's interesting about this is that you won't be jumping, and yet it's still a platformer. So let's get into how you're going to be traversing. Now, the name of this game is Headlander, and this could not be taken more literally because your character is a head inside of a space helmet. And primarily, when you are this head, you're going to be floating around. It's like self-propelling, so you can go up and down and, and all that stuff. And when you're not just a head, you will be popping the heads off of anything and taking their body and landing the head on the body. Now, you could do this to enemies. You could do this to regular citizens, or there are smaller things, smaller robots, like for maintenance and, and things like that. Um, but that is primarily going to be the gameplay. You are either floating around as a head or you're going to plant onto a body and then walk around as the body. But the bodies cannot jump, so keep that in mind. This is a Metroidvania, so you're going to be traversing through rooms, and we'll get into the map in a minute. But there's really two ways of traversing from room to room. There are going to be doors, and there are going to be vents. Doors are very interesting here because the colors of the doors much like Metroid Prime, reflect whether your body can pass through it. And it's all color-based. So the first color enemy you're going to get is yellow. And what that means is you can shoot a yellow beam, and if it hits a yellow door, you can walk through it. But if you see a color that is higher up the spectrum than yellow, then you're not going to be able to. And you'll get a nice little quip when you try to from the door. Uh, but the white doors, anything can pass through. But then there's like this hierarchy. And it's very interesting. And it's very Metroidvania because it's a little bit of gatekeeping and, and perhaps maybe some backtracking if you find a way to get a door that you couldn't get through before. The vents are primarily on the ceiling, as you might expect. And they are for head traversal. Most often they're capped with something. And your head can actually... Pretty early on, you get the power to um, perform suction that can pop the top off of the vent. Uh, it's also what you're going to do to pop the head off of enemies. Um, but you will find some enemies or just some bodies that don't have a head. So that's primarily how you're going to traverse. When you are in rooms, the layout is interesting. It's either going to be one level where you can walk right across. So you go in a door and there's one door on the other side and you walk right through. Or there will be multiple levels or tiers. And again, you can't jump. So being able to access multiple tiers, it could depend on the layout of the room. So remember that your head can fly. So at any point, you can pop off of a body and maybe go to a higher landing. However, if there's a door there, your head can't shoot. So you have to kind of strategize, and there might be a specific way for you to be able to go to a higher place. One of which might be if there's an enemy up there, you can go up there with the head, pop the head of the enemy off, get on the body and then walk through the door or some of these levels have teleporters so you'll walk into a room and there might be a pad and when you get there there'll be an action button and you can warp to a teleporter pretty early on it's like right above it so it'll be obvious and sometimes it'll be optional but there'll be times where the layout of the room is so that like if you even went with your head you couldn't get up to the next level maybe there's a ceiling a split ceiling or maybe um, there's like a tube at the top, and you won't be able to just fly your head through there. Also, when you're in the room, there will be enemy encounters. 
And when you are in there, in the top left corner, you will have a health bar for the body that you're on, if you're on a body. And then there's a smaller health bar or thinner health bar below that, which is the health bar of your head. So if you are in a body and you're getting hit by enemy projectiles, the health of the body is going to go down. And if it goes all the way down, uh, you'll start to hear different sound effects. You'll see it uh, smoking. And so you have a couple seconds before you have to get off because the body will explode. And then if you're not on a body and you're getting hit by enemy projectiles, they will reduce your, your head health. In rooms, there may be spawn points for enemies. And this may be due to a challenge. It may be uh, on purpose because of traversal through rooms. Sometimes rooms will go on lockdown and you'll have to kill all the enemies. Some rooms have these strange cover points where there's like this big object in the room that you can walk by. But if you walk up to it, a button prompt will will appear. And if you press it, you can hide behind it. So it's kind of like that weird illusion because it is a 2D game, but it'll have you step behind it. I found this kind of strange because when you get behind a cover point, the enemies just shoot at the cover point and destroy it very quickly. So... But it is interesting, I guess, if you're in a pinch. There's also a melee combat. You can perform a melee attack when you're in a body. Early on with the head, there isn't really anything that you can do combat-wise. In terms of enemy projectiles and your projectiles, because you are using their bodies, basically you're shooting lasers. And there's actually an aim mechanic, which is pretty interesting because there's going to be a lot of geometry. So lasers actually bounce off walls. And when you aim, it shows you the traversal of the projectile, what it's going to do. So you can actually angle, and this works pretty well, like if you're trying to take out an enemy that doesn't see you or something like that, you can easily snipe them. And then actually, the laser path that you're lighting, it'll actually light up more when you're aiming for like a headshot. So that's, I find that to be a really cool and useful tool. And it's also visually really cool when it's a chaotic battle and there's just these lasers bouncing all over the room. In general, uh, as you're traversing, uh, there is some light puzzling. Like I said, with spawn points for enemies that can come up in terms of being able to get through a door. Uh, sometimes you might have to take a certain color enemy a long way in order to get through a door. There is fast travel in this game, and I think it's done pretty well. And unlike some Metroidvanias, I, I know at least one that we talked about in the past... When you're on the, the fast travel menu, it's showing you on the map where you're choosing to go, which is nice. There's some backtracking, whether it's with getting access to higher colors in order to get through doors, or whether it's for side quests. I really don't find it to be that bad at all. And on that note, there are main quests and there are side quests. And the side quests aren't too fetchy, uh, and there's really not that many of them, but I still think it adds to sort of the lore of this area. Also, general stuff, there is a voice who is a character, and it's, I guess, in your helmet, who's kind of guiding you and telling you what to do. And this game does autosave, and I believe if it saves, it just kind of takes you, when you come back in, it takes you to the room that you were in when it saved. I feel like later on this got a little confusing, uh, because there are some big bigger puzzles that you'll encounter, and when it's saving or when it's the respawn point when you reload the game, I don't think it's always that obvious. So this can get a little, uh, maybe a little frustrating later on. Uh, the map and the menu. This map is typical Metroidvania. I think that it gives you a good amount of information. 
So on the map, it'll actually show you the door colors in these sort of rectangles at the edges of the room wherever there's a door. And that is helpful if you need to remember where to go or there's somewhere you're backtracking to. It'll also show you vents, and vents are different. There's like a, it's like a small circle, either at, on the ceiling or at a high point in the room. And the fast travel points are also on the map. It also shows quest items, whether it's for the main quest or for the side quests. Um, they do pop them up, which is very helpful. And then on the main screen, while you're going about the game, there is a mini-map in the top right, and the mini-map is, is pretty helpful. You will also have upgrades. It does tell you on the menu how many of the upgrades you found, how many you have left to go. Some of the upgrades include increasing your helmet health, increasing uh, the amount of body health that you get. There are skills that you'll get, um, and one's very early on. Like I said, you'll get the suction skill. You also get a shield when you're in head form and a boost. And there's also a skill tree. And if you complete side quests, if you find energy, which is kind of like the currency for experience to get skill points, you can sort of level up different abilities. You can increase certain things. So I don't think it was completely necessary and really all that extensive but i it was it was nice to to level up certain things and in terms of enemies and npcs that you'll come across mainly just robots different color enemies that you'll find they have different variations single double triple and i think there might even be higher ones than that and basically what that means is the single one will shoot one laser a double will shoot two at different angles and so on and so forth so you can kind of find higher level enemies of a particular color and there are some bosses and i like some of the designs of these bosses i really think this the gameplay the the way you're traversing the colors things like that um, is pretty unique and and fun and there's actually a big puzzle at some point that has to do with chess that is really cool i really enjoy it it can get a little tough and frustrating especially like i said with saving i think if you're in the middle of it it can kind of be uh, confusing or maybe you need to put it down and come back but overall pretty cool with the with the puzzles Let's get into the vibe of this game. This game is fun. It's crazy. It's silly. I am so in love with everything in terms of character about this game. It has this strange 70s vibe, but futuristic because it's in outer space and there's robots. And this is from Double Fine, who was founded by Tim Schafer. And Tim Schafer has a long track record of just off-the-wall ideas he is a major force of creativity, irreverence, and unique design and storytelling in the video game industry. And like I said, I listed some games, Psychonauts, Grim Fandango, Day of the Tentacle. If you don't know these games or know of these games, I would check them out. I have to say that I have not played Psychonauts yet. It's a major faux pas for me, I feel. But what is also interesting uh, there was an exhibit at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia in 2018 called Game Masters. I was able to attend this, and it was a real interesting exhibit. It went through sort of the history of video games. It started with the arcade era and went all the way up to the modern era. But it was funny because there was like a whole corner of a room dedicated to Tim Schafer and all that he's done, the games that he's done, and sort of his style. And 
creativity, and I thought that was really cool. I really enjoyed it, uh, and I actually learned a lot about him from that exhibit, so shout out to that. Let's get into the visuals of the game. So this is a 2.5D game. So basically it's a 2D in terms of its layout, like you're walking side to side, but the character models and everything are three-dimensional. So it's kind of, it's referred to as 2.5D because of the combination of that. You know, it's not like paper figures or two-dimensional figures going back and forth. The models are, you know, fairly cartoonish, but well-rendered. Your main character, it reminds me of, you know, how some of the faces were in, like, season one of Walking Dead. Maybe even a little bit of how Fortnite characters look or Overwatch. Colors. Colors, colors, colors. This game is neon everything. And it pops. It is so futuristic and 70s. The colors and the hierarchy of the doors... I believe it goes yellow, orange, or no, actually it starts with red. That's my mistake. It goes red, orange, yellow, green, blue. So it goes through the rainbow, but the background colors, oh my gosh, unbelievable. And it really dives into the 70s vibe because there's a lot of lounges. Um, It seems like people might be doing drugs, but they don't say that specifically. There are windows where you can look out into space and, you know, glass tunnels that you're walking through. This is a futuristic space uh, society. Everything is just these strange neon colors. And as well as the lasers that your characters are shooting, the enemies are shooting, they just bounce across and they're like neon yellow and neon red and orange. It just really lights up. Um, And it's good contrast because anything that is not like a light or a neon light is probably dark. And the background is the void of space, so it is dark. So these colors do really pop, and I love it. And the backgrounds in general, they do have some life to them. There are some movement. There are a lot of citizens walking back and forth that you can interact with, but there are also some things moving in the background that you're not interacting with that might be glowing or like some kind of mechanisms. And then when you're in vents, you're seeing a lot of electrical wires um, and a lot of circuits and things glowing. Um, And you're traveling through these strange corridors where there's all kinds of electrical things going on. It's really cool. I, I love the color scheme in this game. In terms of sound, I love the music. Love the music in this game. Um, And I'm actually trying to acquire the vinyl soundtrack. It was for sale, I believe, on I Am 8-Bit a while back, but I missed it. Um, But it is very 70s futuristic. And there's sort of like a background scuttlebutt happening at the same time. Uh, And I like this because you can kind of hear different NPCs or different citizens talking, or you can hear... If you're at a certain part of the room, maybe there's a radio or, or something like that where sound is coming from or there's like an electrical thing happening, um, but it fades in and out when you get close to it. So I do like this. And this does take a lot by design to make sure that the sounds are kind of localized and then far away. That makes this feel like a living city or like a living citadel. This place is really alive, even when there's not anyone in the room. Again, even though the void of space is the background, it does feel like there's some life here. There's There are things happening. In terms of overall character in this game, there's so much charm. The voice that's guiding you, kind of telling you where to go story-wise, is this, like, southern gentleman. And he, he keeps talking about the main enemy, uh, whose name is Methuselah. Just really so much charm from the very beginning with this guy's voice. And the doors. Oh, my goodness. The doors. Like, when you get to a red door and you shoot it with a red laser, it'll say, like, some crazy pun. Like, the one that I 
that I recently heard something like, you are red, so I will spread. It's like, whoa, this is crazy. And then when you when you get to a door that you can't get through, it'll have something, um, some kind of quip to, to yell at you. And it's just, it, it, there's just so much character from that point. Um, and it also gets into how this place is really living and breathing. There are a lot of citizens that you can be. These are not enemies, so they don't have lasers. Some of them you may need to, like some of the smaller robots, you might need to be them um, to traverse. But otherwise, you don't really need to be any of these normal citizens. However, when you pop off the head of a citizen and you hit the button that you'd normally use for a melee attack, the citizen starts dancing to their own music and music pops up and they all like every unique citizen has their own unique dance and there's actually a trophy for dancing as every citizen type for like three or five seconds it's just so cool like i did that by accident one time and all of a sudden i'm like why is this guy dancing just amazing and then your character uh, which is essentially just a head um you find out right away that they can't speak but they have a lot of facial expressions um, and when there's cutscenes, it's sort of just very general, like surprised or like happy. A lot of charm, so much charm in this game. Let's wrap up the conversation about Headlander. This game has so much character. There's, it's just oozing. Whether it's music, whether it's visuals or, or things that characters are doing or the way that they're saying things and just the colors. The game is so irreverent in so many ways, so witty. You are constantly entertained by this game uh, and it never lets up. I love the 70s futuristic style. They really lean into that. And there's really just a lot to love about this game. I cannot recommend this game enough. You have to play it. I know that we've talked about Metroidvanias before and some of the frustrations. I really don't feel them in this game. The game doesn't lean heavily on fast travel. Um, it doesn't lean heavily on backtracking. It's something that you can do. Uh, it's useful, but it's not to the point where you're going to use it a lot and get frustrated. I do not see this game on sale a lot. I will say that if you see it on sale, get it. Do not hesitate. I apologize to our Switch listeners uh, because this is not on Switch, which I do not know why. But $19.99, 20 bucks. I would pay 20 bucks for this game. Like I said, I got the Platinum Trophy. I just so much enjoyed my experience with it. I cannot recommend this game enough. All right, that will do it for this episode of Found Bites, a game review series. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.